1: Podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports, and join alongside me as always, Jake Tarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. We now have week six, right? Week six is in the books. We are on to week seven. Mm-hmm. That means we only have ten more weeks together doing the show, Jake.
2: Yeah, double digits, and and usually week 17 is kind of a, I mean. We have less than 10 weeks because week 17 is usually a – sometimes I know in the past – You're going to phone it hosts, in on me?
1: That's what you're telling me?
2: Well, I mean, what are you going to do for week 17? We'll run down the names, <laughs> but in the past uh, in the, you know, – I've been doing the waiver wire thing for a number of years now, and we've always given out like the, the waiver wire awards or something, like the league-changing pickups or something like that in week 17. So we do it a little differently because um, generally, if you're in a league that plays week 17, my advice is to quit said league, but our stake league does indeed <laughs> uh, account for points in week 17. Yes. And yes. week 17 DFS gets really messy too. So maybe we can make a show out of that here, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. There are a lot of football. To, there's a lot of football left to go. Yeah. And I will be really sad when week 17 is approaching. It
1: feels like the season has just flown by. And I know right around November, Thanksgiving range, that's when it stalls out. So we're not too far off, but mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's gone crazy. And certainly enough, um, at least representation of that was on Monday Night Football Contest with the Packers lines. Of course, you and I are huge Packers fans. There was absolutely no controversy whatsoever in that contest and the Packers won cleanly 23-22. <laughs> I say that all kidding aside, you were at the game. I yeah. had the opportunity to go to the game. What was mm-hmm. it like atmosphere-wise in Lambeau during that period and then the fourth quarter? It was definitely
2: loud. It has that primetime game field you can uh, you can feel the intensity in there especially when Rodgers is driving down the field, but we were all there was like a sense of should they maybe not be running the clock out so much because they at least have another chance if this drive doesn't go their way? Now, fortunately, it went their way, but that was helped largely by penalties. And this is one of those things where, I don't know, I got a tweet off before the game. And my Twitter doesn't work so hot inside the stadium for Nothing whatever is. reason. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I think it's just having 80,000 phones in the same place. Right. But um, but nonetheless, you know, so I wasn't, it's not like I'm dual screening watching Twitter while I'm sitting down on my couch, normally watching the Packer game. So I'm there and I, and I you know, one hands of the face, I was like, okay, you know, that can happen, I suppose. Two hands to the face, I thought, okay, that was a little bit strange and um I don't know. My take on this from what I've seen afterwards is Flowers was grabbing the kind of inside horse collar part right. of Bakhtiari's jersey and what Bakhtiari would do, I mean You know, I've done this as a defensive lineman before. You always play a little dirty and try to get, uh, you know, try to get whatever little advantage with your hands that you possibly can. But what Bakhtiari was doing was jerking his head back um, every single time that Flowers would come with that move and the ref would see that and they would assume hands to the face. And yeah, it's controversial. Yeah, it's maybe not the correct call here. But if, uh, I mean, I still got to give some credit to Bakhtiari for recognizing that was happening and reacting in a way that he knew would get a call and keep drives going.
1: Oh, I mean, there's a lot to take away from just that moment. A, you're right. Bakhtiari had a savvy move, and why he's one of the most—I I, think—the best left tackle in the league, but certainly one of the elite tackles in the NFL at the moment. I understand that Lions fans are going to feel like they got robbed, and frankly, oh, I yeah. get it. Like yeah, I, I, I get I, it. I do. Like and and. So the penalt- the second one in particular, really the first one also gave the Packers a huge opportunity in the game but the second one literally clinched it essentially for Mason Crosby mm-hmm. to connect on the twenty one yard uh, yeah. game with they didn't even goals.
2: necessarily need the second one to win the game Correct. and I mean that's where I was going to yeah. go with well, and I think the uh, the other argument is for Lions fans that are you know are right feel a little upset. I mean what was it five field goals and a couple of those were real close sure you know, It was just like the Packers against the Eagles in that Thursday Night game earlier this year they had plenty of red Zone opportunities and didn't um and didn't execute on it or convert. On almost any of them, so you know you can say you can blame it on the one or the two five yard penalties at the end of the game, but when it's all said and done, you just have to look at that inefficient red zone performance, and that's the more serious issue. At yeah,
1: and and sure, I, I again, I, I as a Packers fan, I am not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, we we won that one fair and square. I, I don't necessarily think that we lost it either, or mm-hmm. that the refs gave it away, or anything else like that. Mainly because last year we literally had games. We, being was a Packers say. fan, <laughs> literally had games that were decided by officials mm-hmm. too. So by no means do do I mm-hmm. feel as a Packers fan any less vindicated today yeah. than maybe I would. It's have It's karma right? for
2: some of those Clay Matthews oh referee calls. Oh god! You yeah. Know, now we're even, and now we can move forward with a clean slate. And I'm sure the Packers are going to get burned on a silly hail mary at some point this year for it to tip back in the other direction because that's how it always goes. But for now, five and one. It was a it was a Ricky Bobby game for the Lions. They're either going to end up in first place or last place, and they oh, end up in last. Really Oh, <laughs> yeah because they yeah if they'd have won they'd have been first in the division and now they're in last place in the division you know and then you look over at like an nfc east or, or, or where you no know, teams are above are above 500 then, right you know just pretty pitiful there so um it's it's tight in the nfc north still and uh you know it's just a couple of games separating all the teams
1: it was one of those contests where it felt like nothing could go right uh shepherd who is basically the fifth string receiver for the packers Literally couldn't do anything right. Of course, botched the punt, which gave the Lions an Mm -hmm. extra field goal. He had the interception literally hit him in the face, which completely uh, changed what was likely going to be at least another scoring possession for the Packers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that ultimately brought us our savior, Alan Lazard who had an incredible catch really over the back shoulder, great throw by Aaron Rodgers, but even better catch to hold on to it, mm-hmm. and then was able to get a critical uh, third down completion on the out route, which really helped extend that final mm-hmm. drive and give Cross but that game-winning shot. We're not talking about a scenario where Lazard, who Rodgers campaigned for in the— in the end of the game, at least for yeah, the it seemed, it seemed,
2: That was the interesting part, that he was like, hey, maybe we should give this guy some opportunities, especially it, after watching Shepard fail so miserably.
1: It's possible that he ends up having to have a critical role next against the Raiders, mm-hmm. too, given we don't know what Geronimo Allison's status is he left with. It appeared to be an upper body injury, potentially to the head, or concussion. I,
2: I remember when my dad and I got home, the first thing my mom asked is, did you see that hit? And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, it happened on the other end of the field, being in the north end zone. Some of those I don't always get to see, but it looked like he got hit twice on on the way
1: down. Yeah, and, and to, make, to make a Clear the Lions guys that that was not a penalized or it was penalized but it shouldn't have been. He was very clearly going for the interception and it just was an un, mm-hmm. unfortunate situation where he collided heads uh, yes. or upper body. So we've got so.
2: Devontae Adams turf toe. We've got Allison yeah. concussion. He's probably out another game. Scantling was banged up and then came, back, came back, in back in the game. Mm-hmm. So that was he looked like he got rolled up on pretty bad, but he somehow managed to come back in the game. Yeah. Um. I know all the uh, Packer fans up and up here in Wisconsin have been wanting you know the Whitewater Coomero. Coomero. to get his mm-hmm. chance. Watch that game, it became pretty clear to me that he's not going to be the answer. No, he can't no. seem to get any kind of separation, even when working against the third, fourth string quarterback or cornerback. when he did,
1: he dropped mm-hmm. it, too. And then
2: we thought, you know, Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, as well. Uh, he's split out way more than I saw him up up on the line here. You know, so he's playing like a wide receiver. Uh, so it goes back to that whole franchise tag debate a few, a few years back. Should he get paid like a wide receiver or a tight end, whatnot? So, you know, that's not the answer. And now we're getting... We're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, and, you know, a lot of Packers fans are, are clamoring for them to make a trade, you know, should they try to trade it for an Emmanuel Sanders or an A.J. Green or something like that. And while it makes sense on paper, the more I think about it, you're giving up a fourth-round, fifth-round pick for someone who may not even pass his physical, number one, and, and number two, you know, it's just a rental. These guys are free agents, so... um yeah, maybe they try to get through with guys like Lazard. Maybe there's somebody else on the practice squad they get a, they get a shot. But uh, hopefully, it's just a couple of games they have to bridge this gap before they can get you know the best receiver in football back.
1: In in deeper leagues, I actually think Lazard's going to be pretty. Pretty important pickup, because you're right, we talked mm-hmm. about the injuries to Ramla Allison. I do not anticipate he plays next week. It's possible Devontae Adams does play, though. So a trio of Adams, Lazard, and MVS mm-hmm. is actually quite enticing for me as a Packers yeah. fan, and I think could be profitable, mm-hmm. given given how Lazard ended up being the main playmaker for the Packers mm-hmm. and clearly has Aaron Rodgers trust, despite yep. really not seeing that throughout the regular season prior.
2: And you'll have universal availability there. Someone like Stantling might actually be worth checking up on, too, because I just looked myself. He's only 66% owned. Mm-hmm. In Yahoo formats, so uh, again the numbers haven't been eye popping yet, but he's going to get the uh, the biggest opportunity of any of them. You know he should be seeing double digit targets until Tay comes back. So
1: the only other thing I want to talk about from the Packers game itself was that this is now two consecutive weeks where it appeared to be pretty good offenses built around the running game and the defense for the most part shut down. Carry on Johnson did squeak in for a touchdown, and I don't know if it was questionable for you on the broadcast, the stadium, but it certainly was a questionable c- touchdown call. Uh, at least on from the TV side of things, like it did not look like he scored, and they kind of, it was one of those. Well, they ruled really a yeah. touch on anyway. That
2: was field. one where it's really difficult to tell at the stadium. And, and then I looked on the replay that they showed at the stadium, and it didn't seem like he crossed. But then I texted like a group text of uh, you know kind of uh, mostly Packer guys, some neutral, in, you know, in one of the leagues that I'm running. And I was like, talk to tell from the stadium. Did he get in? And they're like, yep, he got in. They seemed it was pretty definitive. Yeah, and I, it, I,
1: I, it, I didn't. I didn't think that. Neither did the broadcast team mm-hmm. at the time. Regardless, though, that's. That was a touchdown that really saved the day for Carry On Johnson, fantasy owners. Ezekiel Elliott, for the most part, was shut down uh, game script wise. It kind of the Packers raced ahead against the Cowboys. Zeke mm-hmm. also did score a touchdown late at the end, but you were anticipating both those guys getting 100 plus yards rushing. That didn't occur. How do you feel about Josh Jacobs and his uh, possibility mm-hmm. this week against the Packers defense?
2: I have him in one league and I intend to start him. And I don't. And,
1: I don't think uh, you cannot start him if yeah, you can, have him. But yeah, I'm more you can, or less. What uh, Josh are Jacobs is almost a,
2: in terms of, just because of the state of the position. He's pretty much a uh, you know an every week guy. Um, I still anticipate double digit fantasy points, but I'm not quite sure he'll get 20 fantasy points. I actually like the Packers. They're only 52 percent owned. I like him as a pretty good streaming defense because. I'm not exactly sure how healthy that team is. They're coming off the bye, so that's that that's the one maybe uh not so encouraging part, but you know you, you get Derek Carr and, and no real big big, big electric playmakers on that team and I think the Packers defense could you know, they're, they're a defense that I don't even put in streaming category you, no, you can pick I them up and you. hold and unless you know, until that game where they play Kansas City right. um, I think they're pretty much a start every week. Yeah, and they, of guys. they have it's the 49ers just, have later this, too. The, the floor is helped by the sacks, I mean they're finally getting pass rush that was one of the biggest, most noticeable adjustments for them in the second half is they were able to get after Stafford and get more pressure on them.
1: Yeah, Preston Smith had a sack that really ended up stopping a, a, a drive for the Lions and, and um, um kickstarted the comeback he very clearly looked off sides to me or at least he timed that snap <laughs> damn well but it's one of those things where you have to get lucky every once in a while to win a football game like this when you have three turnovers sometimes Aaron you Jones gotta jump the snap count drops an easy touchdown pass botches the ball forward 15 yards or whatever it was like that's that was just one of those games where you have have that stuff work out for you so we're gonna get to more of the uh, actual free agent pickups of course you talk about lazard as a key one but there's a few more running backs that at least remain interesting before we do that though a word from our sponsors yahoo dfs or yahoo i should say the nfl season is officially under which means yahoo daily fantasy football has returned of course there's a million reasons to enter the free yahoo cup on daily fantasy and they're all dollars yeah that's right yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season it's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players if you're over 18 and a united states citizen there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot yahoo daily fantasy football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes even if you don't score a perfect lineup you can still walk away from a game with a little bit of cash. Choose daily Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football today. Get started now at slash daily fantasy. Of course, we've been doing this podcast now together for much more than six weeks, but certainly the regular season portion uh we've been talking about now for quite a while. We're trying to emphasize players that are under 50% owned on Yahoo. I'm ready to right break now. that rule off. The yes, back, by the way. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just because you are so excited to talk about this one quarterback. But I did want to emphasize that again because uh it's getting that point in the season with four different bye weeks again. Were it might not apply logic-wise to just do these under 50% owned, but mm-hmm. keep in mind uh, when we're discussing these players that there might be more attractive options out there but our format is kind of a little bit more rigid in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: because you always have to check uh, another thing that you like to check with waivers is, uh, and I do this in baseball as well, is who was all dropped the previous Fab period. Mm-hmm. You know, who was all cut and is going to be first eligible for free agents. Because you know, especially you know, imagine you're a Saquon Barkley owner with uh, you know, in a two quarterback league where some of your quarterbacks got hurt, and you know, you had to make a real tough decision just to not take a zero at a position. So for that reason, maybe. Maybe, just maybe, you ended up, and you wouldn't in two-quarterback league, but say a standard league. Maybe, just maybe, you cut a guy like Josh Allen, who you didn't see as a long-term answer, at quarterback. He's 52% owned. He A couple days ago, he was probably less than 52% owned now that he's starting to get back up. And people are starting to realize that he has got the Miami Dolphins this week. And I believe the only quarterback that hasn't scored more than 20 fantasy points against the Dolphins is Case Keenum, that sounds right, yeah. who still River threw a couple State of touchdowns too. to Terry McLaurin. And I mean, he had probably the best game he's going to have all year. So I mean, this is uh this seems like a layup uh, the first name that you should be looking at in quarterbacks is Josh Allen and I'm curious to see where Jeff ranks him in our weekly rankings this week because I would I'd be willing to bet he's a top 12 guy
1: yeah I would I would even go further than that. He was a top 10 guy. In fact, we talked last podcast about trading DeAndre Hopkins. Everyone anticipated you were saying as well that this is probably not a great time to sell on him. Well, I was intent and um, motivated to move DeAndre Hopkins. If only to turn my stake league fortunes around. I did not. In fact, I scored the lowest points in my portion of the league this week, but I did acquire Marlon Mack and Josh Allen. And of course, this is the league that I have Baker Mayfield in looking at Allen's rest of the season schedule. I felt pretty comfortable that I'm getting a QB one that I can actually. Rely. Now, I've been able to benefit from Kirk Cousins the last two weeks. I'm not going to anticipate that happens uh, for us in the future, and that's actually another guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, but I, I do think Allen is going to be one of those guys by the end of the season. Could be not a league winner, but a difference maker for your fantasy team if you're able to have him. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, this week uh, starting off, you know, it's awesome. Obviously, he's got the uh, he's got the Dolphins, and then after that, he's got the Eagles, who uh, who just gave got up got like 27, fan- Cousins, yeah. yeah, like 27 fantasy points to Kirk Cousins. Thank you very much. And Then we've got Washington, and then at Cleveland, and then at Miami again. So. So, I mean, this bills. I mean, all your bills. If whether it's uh, you know uh, Allen or, or Cole Beasley, we might talk about a little bit later. John Brown, of course. Um, you know, you've probably been. I see. In my position, I was not an advocate for cutting Devin Singletary, and I've, no, held, on, no. I've held on to him in uh, our 14-team stake league and our other 16-team staff league. I'm finally. I'm getting very excited to get some utility out of him. If anything, I'd say you could probably go ahead and cut Frank Gore at this point because the better back will show himself. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. But anyway, not to get too far away from the task at hand, Josh Allen should be the first name you type if you're in need of a quarterback this week. So if you've been using Kyle Allen in a two-quarterback league, if you've been suffering through Baker Mayfield, if you've been suffering through James Winston in his five-pick week, if you've been suffering through whatever the – so it's, it's really not a week where that streams I need to stream quarterbacks because all the teams on bye have quarterbacks that are very fringe starters at best, You know, even the one that's expected to be the best, Baker Mayfield and the Browns. You know, hasn't performed necessarily any better than a Kyle Allen. So it's not a huge streaming week, but they're definitely, you know, I've talked about my Cam Newton League before where I had to let him go. I'm currently sitting uh, with a trio. I've got Kirk Cousins, I've got Daniel Jones, and I've got um, Sam Darnold who, again, bad matchup against the Patriots this week, but has a pretty juicy schedule after that. I'm jumping all over the place, though. Let's well, hit some you, other you streamers brought up, here. you
1: brought up Daniel Jones as a guy that you're owning. If you're not streaming or if Allen's not available, the next option, in my opinion, I think probably one of the top pickups this week and maybe this week only, mm-hmm. is Daniel Jones going against the Cardinals. We saw what Matt Ryan did. It felt like in junk time, essentially, but he was able to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. I think Daniel Jones has a real possibility to be a top ten fantasy quarterback this week against a Cardinals secondary mm-hmm. that now does get back Patrick Peterson. He served his six game yeah. suspension. This is his first week back, but still, mm-hmm. you have to imagine the rust is going to be there. Uh, yeah. And I think this could be a good deal for Jones.
2: Yeah, that's that's the thing for me because at first, you know, looking if you look at the last couple of weeks and the stats for both teams from the last couple of weeks, it would make sense on paper that Daniel Jones would be a viable streamer. And I'm looking, you know, I've got Sam Donald against the Patriots. I've got Kirk Cousins against the Lions. Just Cousins kind of hot? Um, I'm, I'm wavering between Cousins and Jones right now and you would think the matchup against the Cardinals would be the uh, the big one however um, what's, hap- what's happening for me is okay so Patrick Peterson's coming back the whole defense ch- changes when you have a guy like Patrick Peterson around and two It's only Tuesday, and we have no idea how healthy this offense is going to be. Will Saquon Barkley be back? You know, he's maybe trending that way. He's been hinting that way a little bit. Um, You know, if not, you're at Wayne Gallman. Sterling Shepard's kind of got an injury that seems like an extended one. Um, We'll have to see on that. Of course, they do have Golden Tate back at this time. Evan Ingram has got a knee injury that tends to be, a you know— I always joke that I fell a few classes shy of my MD here, but Evan Ingram does have an MCL injury. The, the news today on roto is he's pretty optimistic he'll play Week 7. That would obviously help out the Daniel Jones impact quite a bit to have a weapon like that back. But until some of these guys get clearance... I'm not quite as bullish on Daniel Jones as I thought I might be when I first started looking at streamers. This
1: Here's week. the thing though. I think Darius Slayton can be a real receiver in the NFL and not just for the Giants, just overall. I think he could be pretty darn good. So if you have Slayton and Golden Tate doing things, regardless of Sterling Shepard's healthy, regardless of Evan Ingram's healthy, mm-hmm. I think that's still a viable enough receiving core that can do damage against a secondary that yes, is getting Patrick Peterson back, but we have no idea in what uh, shape or capacity he'll be able to play. Like in Week 14, fine. I I get mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson being the All Pro cornerback that we've seen in the past. I don't think that's going to be the case this week, and I do think Daniel Jones, yeah. even if not for passing with his legs, could be a top ten fantasy quarterback.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hoping for yeah for a uh, for a rush or two that could very much maybe sealed the deal right now i will say i'm leaning jones over cousins but i could absolutely waver on that uh quite a bit and um you know just because we're talking about cousins here he's 47 owned in yahoo leagues he gets the lions who held rogers Relatively in check. Roger had, what, like 260-something yards and two touchdowns. One of them was a shovel pass that you could easily call a run right. anyway, and then one was just, so oh, I'm just going to drop this on a dime to some guy nobody's ever heard of to to get our game here within striking distance. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, so that's the decision I've got to make. Daniel Jones or Kurt Cousins... Um, do you have a lean on that?
1: Yeah, it's it's not a question. It's Daniel Jones, in my opinion. I think Cousins is going to struggle against the Lions defense. We just saw it last night. That is primarily man coverage. And Diggs and Thielen should be able to take advantage of that matchup. Slay can only cover one of them. But I don't think Cousins' accuracy, or at least the zip in his throw, will be enough to take advantage of that man defense overall. What did Zimmer
2: come out and say right at the press conference? He's like, hey, we threw the ball 29 times. you happy? And as a fantasy owner, you're thinking, ooh, 29 29 times. You think that's what makes him happy? You think that's what makes us happy 29 times? Probably not. So, again, I think the structure of this team is you're probably right where Cousins is going to be a matchup guy that I can stream at best and I might even be able to drop at some point.
1: Right. And he we know he has the weapons. I mean, we just saw it this last week against the Eagles secondary, which has been bad and really bad all year long. You mm-hmm. talk about teams that need to make a trade like the Packers. Why Jalen Ramsey hasn't been sent to Philadelphia yet for whatever number of first round picks they need to do is still mm-hmm. a bit of a surprise to me. But I, I that would division's so
2: up for grabs. They're tied. They three don't and need three him. with the Cowboys. Well, I'm saying that if they had him, that would like cement their run. I agree right. with you. I'm saying so, uh, because the division's up for grabs, this would cement it. That seems like a uh, I can't believe uh, I no haven't brainer. thought of that. That's right. an easy one.
1: Yeah, well, and most people have been saying why Jalen Ram- Ramsey hasn't went there. We've heard reports about Zach Ertz getting moved for Jalen Ramsey and something like that. Like that's not a that's been two or three weeks now that it, it's been mentioned. I'm surprised no one's pulled the trigger yet. Mm-hmm. The other quarterback I do want to talk about briefly though is Cam Newton. Obviously, you Dude. talked about a league that you had him cut him. The Panthers are a bye week. There are one of four teams: Panthers, Browns, Steelers, Bucks. We'll talk about more when we get to the running backs. Uh, we don't know necessarily what the timeline of return is for Cam Newton. I've seen a lot of people be aggressive picking him up so far, and I'm at the point where I want to back away completely because I think Kyle Allen, and I'm going to whisper it, might have played his way into a starting job.
2: Dang it, Joe. I really thought we were going to argue about this one. I thought uh, just putting Cam Newton in there would be the... Uh, <laughs> w- w- that thought that that meant that you were going to advise picking up Cam Newton, and, and I can't get on board with that either. I caught him, and I have zero interest in bringing him back. Uh, number one, because it's a Liz Frank injury, that doesn't just go away after four weeks. Um, it's something that I would imagine lingers with him for the rest of the season, and for a fantasy quarterback, that so much of his value is dependent on his mobility. I don't like that foot injury. No. Not in the least bit, and like you said, we don't know for sure that he He's the starter when he comes back. I mean, do you really want to yank the quarterback that, uh, that won four games in a row for you and put you right back in contention in the division? And if you go kind of, if you can compare games, I mean, Cam Newton against Tampa Bay scored 14 points, looked ugly. They lost Kyle Allen against Tampa Bay. Granted that was helped by a lot of turnovers, but Kyle Allen scored 37 points, looked awesome and they won. And that was, you know, without DJ Moore missed a handful of snaps in there. And Curtis Samuel was the, uh, was the talk of the town in that game. Really? So, uh, I'm not rushing to get any Cam Newton shares. If you can get him for zero and you really have that bench spot, maybe. But I'm more likely to grab handcuff running backs than I am Cam Newton shares at this point. Yeah,
1: I think there's better ways to utilize somebody that's Mm. on injured reserve right now. Can I hit one more quarterback that's going under the radar a little bit? Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: Um, And it's one of the guys I mentioned that I'm stashing. Sam Darnold looks sharp in his return. I'm not saying stream him or start him this week against the Patriots. The Patriots are the best defense. They're the best fantasy defense in the league, and they're the best uh, one against opposing defenses. And even after that, Sam Darnold gets the Jaguars. But then we run into a stretch stretch weeks 9 through 14 where Sam Darnold plays – the Dolphins, the Giants, the Redskins, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Dolphins again. So uh, I mentioned that uh, the the Cousins-Darnold-Daniel-Jones thing that I have going on. I um, I. don't. I, it's very frustrating for me to do this, and we'll see how long I can manage this while buys start to heat up, but I'm going to continue to carry three quarterbacks because I do like uh, the future schedules for a few of those guys. So um, again, if you can stomach it or if it's a keeper league because maybe there's a more long-term ceiling with a young guy like Darnold, you don't play him this week, obviously. I don't see any type of situation or world in which you'd play him this week, but the schedule starts to look a lot nicer.
1: That's how I feel about Baker Mayfield, too, so that's interesting. Yeah, definitely named a name to keep uh, an eye on, at least. Uh, let's go over to the running backs. We talked about Chase Edmonds last week, 34% owned. DJ uh, DJ Johnson. David Johnson was able to play uh, and was able to do pretty effective, at least in terms of targets. I think he had eight catches uh, on Sunday certainly seems to be a primary receiving option for the Cardinals, but Edmonds did end up scoring. So this is of course your chance to do your weekly. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Edmonds and how great he is and why I stashed him for 18 weeks, despite really doing no production other than the last two.
2: I actually like uh, having him in stake league because I've started him and Johnson in the last two weeks and it's worked out pretty dang well. The last two weeks, I have to say um, I think Edmonds is the top overall pickup this week. If you went through any of the guys we're going to talk about, unless you need to have a very specific need at streaming quality, quarterback or tight end or whatever i think edmonds is your dude at 34 percent uh you know johnson didn't get re-injured he played he's fine he carried the ball 12 times chase edmonds carried the ball five times they had the exact same amount of yards and then chase edmonds you mentioned uh he caught two passes on two targets but one of those was for a touchdown and uh Getting that kind of volume, plus the chance that uh, you know, if if Johnson's back tightens up or if they have some kind of in game injury, um, I would say that yeah, I think Edmonds is the top overall pickup this week because yeah, uh, for one week and possibly rest of season though, I don't know. See, it seems to be a, a handcuff type type of thing we're talking about. Todd Gurley's backup, Delvin Cook's backup, James Conner's backup, all these types of guys today. And, you know, in terms of these backups, I still think that Edmonds has the most standalone value when the starter is healthy.
1: I think it's Alexander Madison has the most value of those backups, but even still, Madison, Edmonds, Daryl Henderson, who we'll talk about a little bit, none of those guys scream to me top overall pick. Like I would, or pickup, I'd rather have Jameson Crowder, or Auden Tate, or uh, more of those receiver options who actually do stuff that on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. Edmonds isn't that for me. Like, would you say Jamal Williams should be the top pickup? I, I guess I haven't checked. I think he's over forty percent owned at this point, but. To, I wouldn't recommend Jamal Williams be a top overall pickup despite how great he did uh, last night, and that kind of feels like the range that Edmonds is right now.
2: Well, he's out there if you want him. I'm seeing 18% owned in Yahoo leagues. See, Jamal I would Williams. rather have Williams than Edmonds. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think a lot of that was uh, him being hurt you know, in the true. past week true, and true. Uh, a lot of people cutting Um so- yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, Jamal Williams in half point PPR had 21.6 fantasy points last night. That's one that uh, people failed to talk about. I don't expect that to be consistent, but. Um, the only
1: to... reason that happens because Aaron Jones played so pitiful in that first half. He mm-hmm. had the obvious drop touchdown. The, there was the fumble, the fumble before that. The drop yes. touchdown
2: was right in the end zone. I sit yep. and I, I watched it. Go off – I just couldn't explain it. Just go off his hands, tip it up in the air, kick it forward a bunch. Right.
1: Know. So, I mean, that that was the reason Williams played. But, again, in most situations, Jones is going to be out there, I think, 60 to 70% of the time. Williams has gotten a decent amount of playing time even with Aaron Jones around. And I think the mm-hmm. same thing could be applied to David Johnson, Chase Edmonds. But by no means would I suggest either one of them is the top overall guy over guys like Auden Tate who is getting – A majority of the workload at receiving options and like Jameson Mm -hmm. Crowder, who you mentioned with Sam Darnold, is going to be significant. I mean, it's splitting hairs. I get it. But Mm -hmm. those guys are a little bit more safer, in my opinion, if you're looking for significant upgrades from the waiver wire, which is kind of barren right now, it feels like.
2: Yeah, this is a real tough waiver wire show. There's definitely – I don't see people this week that you use You know, more than – i don't know 20 25 percent of your fab budget on by any means that might even be too high of an estimate if you do the revolving thing where the you keep your spot in the waiver order until you make a claim definitely nobody to use a top claim position on that's for sure yeah Um, if you're in the middle of the pack then maybe go with one of those guys because you don't have that you're not going that far to lose anyway but uh yeah it's been a it's been a rough year for that for sure and i mean honestly we're looking at streaming quarterbacks handcuffed running backs wide receivers that are pick up and drop week to week except for a couple guys we'll, we'll talk about uh but yeah it's pretty bar- barren and
1: and defenses i mean that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like the most valuable pickups right now is whatever defense <laughs> is going against the dolphins or redskins i mean this week
2: this week the uh the defenses to stream are a little bit ugly right now you know if you look at the percent ownerships all the ones that are truly owned get the best matchups or are playing yeah, i don't know we'll get well, to that yeah later on, i actually i, hope.
1: I disagree but yeah we will get to that let's talk about some more of those backup running backs real quick though daryl henderson actually had an emergence oh my god he's an explosive player who knew with todd Gurley out during sunday's game it was malcolm brown who got the majority of the carries did okay i think he had 40 yards in the first drive and then like 10 the rest of the way or less Mm -hmm. than 10 And it's
2: not because he stopped getting carries it just just getting zero defense is very
1: good but henderson had a very explosive play that kind of helped the Rams get back into the contest, and I put that relatively speaking because they were frankly obliterated. It depends on what Todd Gurley's status is, of course, but I have to imagine that the more explosive player is going to win out. We saw that with Aaron Jones. It only took two years mm-hmm. of Mike McCarthy getting fired, but thank God we actually have a Packers running back that is more explosive. The mm-hmm. same thing applies, I think, in Henderson's case. I'm not running out to get him, but this actually makes me a little bit more excited of my best ball shares, uh, which I thought were completely wasted by yeah.
2: two weeks ago. 68% Brown, 32% Henderson in terms of the snap share uh, this week. I just I don't see a ton... I- I don't know. You're going to get something out of him in your best balls now, but I still think if you're going to get a guy, you probably got to start Malcolm Brown. I got to quick take a look at his ownership percentages to see if he's even close. He's 64. Yeah, I was going to say, and that jumped definitely like, half of that after this. Exactly, past I was going to say he was about
1: yeah. 30% prior to Todd Gurley getting ruled mm-hmm. out, and I think a lot of people jumped on that, which is understandable because again, we just talked about mm-hmm. earlier. There's not a lot of obvious guaranteed starters that are available on the waiver wire, so yeah. when one pops up, take advantage. Start them both this week against
2: the Falcons, and they get a real juice matchup against the uh the Cincinnati Bengals after that I mean the Falcons gave up double digit fantasy points to two running backs Edmonds do we and know Johnson's for certain if Gurley's
1: out that's that's the key
2: th- that's at the you're right it's so hard to make that prediction but it's a quad thing, and your quad is right above your knee. Again, Doctor Latarski, right here. Your quad is right above your knee. So, do you really want to mess around with a real deep quad bruise, given how close it is to the you know the brittle parts of your body that have broken so many times in the past?
1: I'll take a leap right here for you guys, the listeners, of course, you Jake as well. If Gurley is out this week, I think it's Henderson that scores more, and I think doubles. Malcolm Brown's production, fantasy-wise, this week. The Falcons, yes, they give up a lot of points to the running backs overall, mm-hmm. but in particular, they struggle at the receiving running backs—the guys that are getting the opportunities split out of the backfield or like the screen passes, whatever else. That's literally the mo for Henderson. Yeah,
2: I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to agree with you completely, but I will say that Henderson has the higher ceiling. Brown has the higher floor because I think Brown's going to get more touches overall. Okay, he won't get the receptions maybe, but he'll definitely. I could see the carries getting distributed with no girls. He'll they'll get distributed like fourteen to four or something like that, and then Henderson will get a couple looks. Henderson, obviously, the more explosive player can do something crazy with those looks, but I think the floor is a little bit safer with a guy like Malcolm Brown because of the touches he's gonna get. I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give his crappy yard, yards per carry average a pass this past week because I think San Francisco is is an incredible defense.
1: Yeah, I, I do too though. That's that's one thing I feel certain about in what has been a tumultuous first six weeks of the NFL season. Alexander Madison actually outpaced Delvin Cook last week against the Eagles goes 14 carries for 63 yards and i think cook was around that um number but not not quite obviously uh it, it's to the point where madison i think is the top backup to own right like we were we were saying oh let's get wayne gullman if and when saquon barkley goes down well barkley goes down gullman has a pretty fantastic one week and then he himself went down madison mm-hmm. has in my opinion Clearly, taking that role over a guy like maybe Tony mm-hmm. Pollard or Chase Edmonds, who you love quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. as the backup to own.
2: Yeah, I can see Madison. He's kind of, I see him quite similarly with Chase Edmonds, actually. Um, you know, you're starting to sell me on it a little bit. The, uh, the fact that he ran more, the fact that he's, you know, scored touchdowns this year. And the fact that he's on a team that clearly wants to run the ball more, yes, they you know they want to keep the ball out of Cousins' hands. They're sixty million dollar game manager. Um, it's a team that wants to run the ball more, and um, so so I can see that. I can. He's only twenty three percent owned, and he's someone that I could see you know tossing I don't know six seven bucks a Fab out there for the, this week. Do you think that's enough to get him?
1: Yeah, I feel like if you haven't picked him up already, you're probably not racing out to get him now. But if you have a roster spot mm-hmm. available, if you have three quarterbacks that you mm-hmm. actually feel like cutting. Jake is yeah. not in that situation. I'm not either. I'm actually in a similar spot as you. Mm-hmm. But if you if you have that extra roster spot, yeah. Madison really should be picked up in more than 23% mm-hmm. of the leagues.
2: Yeah, fortunately, the rest of my roster is just absolutely stacked. So I don't really need any. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, you are uh, the I blessing mean, of the fancy guys. I mean, over it, it's, here. A, it's
2: a Keenan Allen, Mike Evan, Josh Jacobs, Fournette, Chris Carson, Travis Kelsey situation. Am, am I ever going to not start any no, of those guys? I, no, I'm, I'm fine with a weak match. See, see, that's the thing. Like, we can talk about all these different strategies, you know, that, that so called experts like us think, wait on quarterbacks. Don't roster more than two quarterbacks. Don't roster more than one tight end. All this kind of stuff. But every situation is so unique. It's subjective. To there, your there's league. there's weird. You know there's league rules that change things. Exactly. Whether you have IR spots, the number of bench spots, the how, mu- how much of the rest of your league is hanging on to two quarterbacks. Like you know how active is the rest of the league on the waiver wire. All of those things factor into what you're going to do with your last bench spot. And I think that both Madison and Edmonds are very excellent choices for your last uh, bench spot. And one guy that we left off here, I just wanted to mention who's still underneath our uh, thresholds here. uh, Latavius Murray could, I think, return to possible productivity, especially if this Kamara ankle injury – is anything of note? We'll see if he's on the injury report or not this week. But Kamara didn't look super explosive. Eleven carries for thirty-one yards. Uh, seven of eight targets for thirty-five yards. And Latavius Murray, um, he was involved in that offense, and I think it only goes up once Drew Brees comes back. He got eleven touches um, here, forty-five yard or forty-four yards, three targets for thirty-five yards. So actually, a very similar day to Kamara, and I think there will be some utility there moving forward as well. I think he at least. Gets his foot in the door of That's this a, handcuff yeah. conversation here no. because I was looking at uh, looking at the availability here and. Um and I believe it's within our threshold. He is 47% owned. So yeah, that's, a little a good, riskier. that's a good one to mention as well. And, and part of it is because he was drafted more than some of these other guys True. too. A lot of people thought he could have some standard loan value. That wasn't necessarily the case. But if Kamara's not 100% and the Saints need to save him for games that matter because they're looking like a playoff team even with Bridgewater, then in that case I think Murray can get some looks. I just, not so much this week against the Bears. That's kind of why I think we left him off the main list we have.
1: We're going to scrape the real bottom of the barrel when it comes to the running back spot. But another handcuff, and I think it's a very clear handcuff at this point to James Conner, who did end up having a good game that was one of the guys I felt pretty certain was going to do well and he kind of eviscerated the Chargers was essentially the only offense but that's all the Steelers need, uh, needed to beat the Chargers in a quote unquote home game in Los Angeles but it was packed with Pittsburgh fans Benny Snell 17 carries, 75 yards. Only half of those carries came about or came after Connor was injured. So he was still a clear focal point even when James Connor was on the field. We do not know what James Connor's status is as of this recording Tuesday. It sounds like the possibility that he could be out. Of course, if that's the case, yes, Benny Snell should be owned in just about every format. He might be the Wayne Gallman of this week, where he gets one week to shine and that's it. Hmm. Uh, that being said, so, well, wait, no, I think the Steelers are on bias. Yeah, yeah, so, so. It, it, then it, then it becomes kind of irrelevant if. Um, Connor is out, but still something to keep in mind of same kind of goes for a guy like Mark Walton. Kalen Balazs got three carries, just three. Of course, he didn't mm-hmm. score. Vulture touched on away from Kenyon Drake, but it was really Mark Walton and Kenyon Drake that were splitting time and carries. And Walton did okay with the looks that he had. Now, they're not going to play the Redskins every week. And frankly, the Dolphins are going to be the worst team in every single game they have the rest of the way. But it is somebody something to note if you're really trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel in those 20, 20 roster, 12 team leagues that might be out
2: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, I'm looking at my 16 team roster right now, and I've got Chris Carson and David Johnson and Chase Edmonds and Devin Singletary. I don't know how I stumbled across that in the 16 team league. So I really don't have any interest in A, a the guy that's on a buy. Snell would fit in this, into this backup conversation, but uh, you put him a tier two below one because he's on a buy and two... Because Samuels, in case you uh, you missed that, he had his knee scoped and is expected to miss about a month. But by the time we count this past week and the bye week, you know he's probably a couple weeks away from a return. So sneaks into the handcuff conversation, but definitely not a ton of long term upside. The upside for him is all short term. Walton, fair enough, he warrants a mention, but again, you're you're dipping into this uh, bottom
1: of the barrel is you, being yeah, scraped.
2: You're dipping into this uh, <laughs> Miami Dolphins backfield or this Miami Dolphins team period here so uh but you're right uh if you need to really throw a dart on someone and uh, i'm trying to think of a guy that ended up on ir like oh geez i'm carrying i'm rostering do Inmount still in this 16 team league because i think it's from one of those leagues where uh Mike Williams was hurt, and I thought maybe I could sneak some value in for a really crappy flex spot. Um, Well, okay, I'll drop him up, and I'll go with one of these other guys.
1: Yeah, we're going to get to the pass catchers in just a second, but I want to get a word from our sponsors here at World Fantasy Pools. Already knocked out of your survivor pool? I'm not, but I know many of the people in the Rotary Wire office are. Do you end up losing early in the season, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there was some alternative when you could use actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is world fantasy pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you can advance. Fail to and you'll be eliminated. Be the last person to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's just that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. So that's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, let's get to those wide receivers. I've been talking ad nauseum now about Auden Tate. Uh, It feels like for the last two weeks. Can I now finally swing you that he's going to be a fantasy-relevant asset? Is it entirely possible that you believe me now, Jake?
2: Yeah, I think I'm finally starting to believe you on this one. You finally sold me. I don't uh, have super high high expectations for this offense and this team as a whole, But uh, the fact that he had a game-high 12 targets in the loss and a pretty productive fantasy-relevant day against a team like Baltimore, uh, that sold me on it at this point. I don't think A.J. Green's ever going to play for the Bengals again if he does come back. If he does get healthy, they're going to find a way to ship him out. There's no reason to introduce him at this point. And if you're A.J. Green, put yourself in his shoes. If you're even the slightest bit not healthy, uh, you want to go ahead and get back to full strength before free agency. So why would you have any personal incentive to rush yourself back on a team that's not going anywhere? Yeah. Um, so I at this point of the season, I've, I've countered A.J. Green out of the mix. Uh, Tyler Boyd can still be productive, especially in PPR formats, no matter how disappointing he was last week. But, uh, yeah, Auden Tate, I've seen it enough now to – to determine that it's not just a fluke and that he can have some fantasy relevance. Um, I'm looking across. He's actually still available in one of my 12-team leagues, so I may have to put a bid on him. But in in my keeper league and our 16 team in our stake league he is already snatched up and yeah, I guess rightfully so. I was going to say so.
1: in just about every league I'm in he's already taken That's because I've already picked him up. Uh, he's been the clearer I don't know about number one guy necessarily I still think Tyler Boyd again despite how disappointing he was and he certainly was from my DFS lineups this week uh, he has been Auden Tate has been at least the number two guy overall and they don't have a very wide passing tree like Tyler Eifert has been non-existent save for the game where he played against the Cardinals they just don't incorporate many other people and Joe Mixon and, and Giovanni Bernard, while they're there, are just guys at this point, and I don't. I think it's more so the offensive line mm-hmm. for the Bengals, uh, but as a result, they've been getting down and having to yeah. pass a lot.
2: Snap in the last four weeks for Tate: eighty-eight point five percent, ninety-one point three percent, one hundred percent, and ninety-point three percent this past week against Baltimore. So. uh Yeah, he's established himself. I don't expect AJ Green to be a factor. Uh, That's that's enough for me. I mean, he's consistent enough. I don't like the team context. Don't like the quarterback. Um, I'm not sure I like the overall culture. I still don't think they've uh, recovered from the whole uh, Marvin Lewis days. But. Nonetheless, there is Jeff Erick really proud
1: of what yes. you're saying right now. He's, yes. You're you're living through him vicariously. Exactly. The other receiver, though, I think uh, warrants mentioning, and frankly, I'm surprised he's this low, Jameson Crowder, is currently under our threshold at 42% owned on Yahoo Leagues. I would imagine now that Sam Darnold's healthy, we're going to shoot back up to 60 or 70%. But this is worth mentioning right now. If he's available in your leagues, he's a near-automatic wide receiver three or flex spot, in my opinion, and it should be probably rostered in most, if not all leagues, maybe 18 team leagues is the only time where I wouldn't have him at least in PPR formats he's going to be a monster the rest of the way and we saw it this week where he again was the focal point of Sam Darnold when Darnold was healthy and Robbie Anderson of course exploded as well but Crowder was quietly I think the primary target for Darnold once again
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean she's Crowder is rostered in 100 percent of the leagues that I'm kind of keeping track of for the purposes of this show the uh, target volume is is absolutely there we saw him get 17 targets week one and this is the first time he's matched that we're not necessarily going to expect that type of volume every week but maybe close to it he seems like a double digit target type of player to me obviously you avoid him against the uh the Patriots he's going to be tough to start at Jacksonville the following week especially if they are getting uh Jalen Ramsey back I don't Really that situation is so hard to read. How yeah. serious is his back injury, or does he just want the heck out of there? But then again, like we talked about with Arnold, real juicy set of matchups coming up after that in weeks nine through fourteen. So just about carrying you to your fantasy playoff semifinals or quarterfinals. You know, you got Miami twice, Giants, Redskins, Oakland, Bengals, just a bunch of teams that if you think they're bad now. They're going to be completely in shambles by this point of neck. You could argue they're completely in shambles at this point. But, uh, you know, later in the season, it's going to be even more pathetic. I don't see that suddenly turning around by any means. So uh, Crowder at 42% owned, that's quite surprising for me. And he seems like he needs to be one of the top pickups if he's out there.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Cole Beasley prior to the podcast, another name to keep monitoring. And I think it goes back to what Josh Allen's schedule looks like the rest of the way, or at least for the for the majority of the fantasy playoffs. It's interesting. It's the Dolphins, Eagles, and Redskins over the next three weeks, and the Browns and Dolphins again. Obviously, he's been a PPR threat, double-digit production in the last three to five weeks. He's at 15% owned right now. I understand if you have Auden, Tate, and Crowder out there. I think he falls below that ranking. But you talked about Chase Edmonds as the number one pickup. I still think I'd rather have any one of these three receiver options before Edmonds. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's tough. I feel like it's easier to cycle in. Uh, you know, nine to 12 point PPR dudes on a week to week basis than it is to find a running back that's going to give you the same amount of points. So for that reason, I still maybe lean towards the running backs. But um, if you're asking me, would I drop Jamison Crowder to pick up Chase Edmonds in any of the leagues where I currently own Jamison Crowder? There's actually multiple leagues where I somehow own them both. I think I'm getting too drinking the Kool-Aid of our show here quite a bit. <laughs> um, but if you're asking me if I would drop Crowder for Edmonds, probably, probably not. Um, and I think Crowder, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be great the rest of the the for that stretch we kind came up with. And also, yeah, like you said, Cole Beasley. He's got that beautiful matchup schedule ahead. And Cole Beasley's actually produced more consistently right. than Jameson Crowder, which is in- interesting. He's only fifteen percent owned. We all remember what kind of player he was. He got plenty of primetime games on Dallas, not getting that same kind of exposure in Buffalo. Maybe that's part Shocker. of the reason. But uh but yeah, three double digit PPR games in five opportunities. And he's got a real juicy matchup schedule there. Um, if you believe in Josh Allen improving at all, that only helps his chances as well. Their backfield's getting healthy, so they can kind of go for at least some balance here to you know, maybe help some of those downfield looks, although he's you know, kind of always been more of a slot guy. Uh, but nonetheless, a couple of players that are worthy of taking your final bench spot. And over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some times when it's going to be very tempting to start them.
1: Can I give you just a handful of dart throws in deeper leagues here at the receiver position? Cause I think it's interesting, right? We talked about Daniel Go Jones as the streaming quarterback option. Uh, and that's the streamer light compared to Josh Allen, which should be your main target. If that's the case, and we talked about Sterling Shepard being hurt, Evan Ingram, everyone else. I do think Darius Slayton is worth a pickup. We know he's kind of the burner for the Giants' offense. Uh, and I actually have him in stake league. That was more of a byproduct mm-hmm. of bad roster management. But I do like I do like what he could do this week against the Cardinals secondary that now gets back Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. But it's still been in shambles this uh, this year. Really, I think, frankly. Mm-hmm. The other one is one of the three 49ers receivers. Both or all three of Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, and Dante Pest are under 30% owned on Yahoo. So I kind of threw them all in there as a quagmire. I do have a 49ers fan, uh, shout out to Jared out there, and asked him which one of the three, if you had to pick one. We know that Tevin Coleman and uh, Matt Breed are probably going to do well. But if you had to pick a receiver receiver. Of that 49-hour trio that's going to do well, he mentioned Samuel as the underneath guy that works well with what Kyle Shanahan's doing on offense. And Samuel at least has earned the respect of the coaching staff more so than Goodwin or Pettis. I like that option. I like all three, quite frankly, if you need to use them in a deeper league with a variety of different receivers and running backs out of quality matchups bi-week-wise.
2: Here's a question. Um, I'm curious about the over-under on the remaining number of weeks in which this trio combined outscores George Kittle.
1: Uh, I, I, can't, I, I, I would take two yeah, two games.
2: Exactly. That's the thing here. I'm not ready to take a stab at that. Yeah, one one of these three will get nine, ten points in a week, but the, at the same time, the other two are going to be two points or less. Uh, I, would, I, I guess in summary...
1: The even, only reason I bring it mm, up is because they play the Redskins this week, and that's all I enough. care about in this, mm-hmm. again, Slayton against the Cardinals any of these yeah. three against the Redskins these are prime opportunities yeah. And when you have mm-hmm. the, the Panthers out when you have the Buccaneers mm-hmm. out when you have the Steelers out if you're uh, Juju Smith-Schuster mm-hmm. owner you need to find somebody
2: yeah. Slayton definitely ranks ahead of all those 49er guys for me um, but definitely still behind Crowder, Tate, and Beasley
1: yeah okay all right Fair enough. Uh, We have the tight ends and defense yet to go. But before we do that, let's get a word uh, from an investment opportunity, actually. And frankly, Jake, this is a very important announcement for myself. Your fancy winnings are going to need a game plan. You can put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash, and all in an easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stock and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash – also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. You want to plan for a better financial future? Well, Stash is the way to go. Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing uh, accounts for kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guides. That part is key for me in particular. I'm I'm sure you are savvy enough to handle that, but I'm very excited for that. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs and they'll give you $5 to invest if you join today. Stash, a one-app, unlimited opportunity. Of course, investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments, LLC, and an SSC registered investment advisor and debit account services provided by Green Dot, Bank member FDIC. All right. And of I love course, the whole,
2: I love the whole micro investing thing. You don't necessarily need to write out a check for 10 grand to be able to just get a little taste of the stock market. So apps like this are definitely cool.
1: I'm very interested in this. of course, after the podcast, I think I'm actually going to be diving into that a little bit more. Let's finish on the waiver wire portion of the show, talking about the tight ends. Chris Herndon, Gerald Everett were our two top. Uh, suggestions last week of course Herndon now goes out for an extended time and ever did nothing so that's kind of the tight end position if you don't have those top 8 guys we lost a top 8 member for it seems like the foreseeable future Will Disley unfortunately suffered a season ending Achilles injury Luke Wilson played 50 plus snaps as a result Wilson actually worked with Russell Wilson prior uh, then signed with the Lions Had a dismal outing was a Mario Puig favorite of 2018 I'm sneakily in on Luke Wilson if you don't have one of those top 8 to 10 Mm -hmm. tight ends I think he could make a difference maker alongside MVP favorite Russell Wilson right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So just kind of taking this from the top, obviously Chris Herndon injured. We have no idea when we'll see him back or what, where he'll land in the packing order. Gerald Everett is up to 74% owned since we discussed him last week. Didn't have a great uh, matchup last week, but was wide open on a bomb touchdown that Goff just didn't look his way. So uh, he's, at least he's on the field, and he is the pass catcher of that group. Luke Wilson— a very interesting candidate that, that you mentioned there. I can see the uh, the Wilson-to-Wilson connection, the chemistry that's happened there uh, in the past. Noah Fant doesn't excite me a ton, but I can see where you're going with the matchups. Um, oh, I haven't even
1: talked about Noah Fant. How are you jumping ahead of me so Oh,
2: oh I'm, I'm jumping ahead? Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> well, I just yeah. want to
1: say, Luke Wilson, when you're searching for him, mm-hmm. I've made this mistake before, two L's. Mm-hmm. W-I-L-L-S-O-N. Gotcha. Again, played 50-plus snaps after Will Disley's out. You already foreshadowed the Noah Fant love. My, yep. my only concern I, I, yeah, was that— I
2: sold you out there. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay.
1: Fine. Chiefs allow the ninth post points to the tight end position overall, so maybe Noah Fant—he's mm-hmm. already running a lot of routes. We talked about Cortland Sutton as maybe more of a receiver option that has uh, moved past Emmanuel Sanders. I think Noah Fant has an opportunity to kind of be the number two receiver for the Broncos by the mm-hmm. end of the year.
2: And on top of that, if you really, really like coin flips, I mean, Darren Fells and Jordan Akins, it's a completely— Toss up to who's going to actually have the game in a game. One given of them going week. to
1: score a touchdown, though.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm going to. Okay, so my tight end position has been pathetic in my 16 team league because I used a too early pick on OJ, OJ Howard and I didn't end up backing him up with anything. So I'm looking at Fells, Aikens, O'Shaughnessy, um, Vernon Davis, Blake Jarwin, Ryan Davis. So I think Izzo. O'Shaughnessy's out, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I are. Yeah. Duh. It's it's sorting by uh, full points. So, yeah, it's good. It, it, what I'm basically saying is I'm punting tight end in that week. This have yeah, my pickup. So oh, I think that seems to be the one to go if uh, the rest of that team isn't healthy and we're not getting Gronk. Interesting you soon. bring
1: that up because Ben Watson actually just re-signed with the Patriots yesterday and appears set to be the other tight end. That's one I didn't mention on our, our rundown, but I can now kind of surprise you with. I'm not really high on Ben Watson. Obviously, both Izzo and I even forget the other tight end that the Patriots are using are not used at all. So maybe Ben Watson is a bit more of a a safety net for Tom Brady, given their relationship. I think they shared locker or not shared lockers. God, that would be (laughs) right up Tom Brady's alley. Uh, They were locker mates now for quite a while. All this to say, tight end is really gross. Luke Wilson might be a guy that you could pick up. Noah Fant is one I'm struggling with as well, even in deeper leagues to kind of go with. I'm not diving down to the Benjamin Watsons of the world, uh, but good luck to you, fantasy owners out there, if you choose to go that route.
2: Yeah, I mean Matt Lacoste, eighteen percent snaps this past week.
1: There you go. Yeah, uh, that was the it, other one besides. Ryan at least Uzo.
2: Izzo played ninety-seven point six percent of snaps this week, so yeah, I guess Watson's back in the mix. We'll see. Izzo is a name that's maybe worth looking. <laughs> he is at. a name. He does he, have he, two he, names. Yes, Thank he, you. Yes, he is. A, he does share a name with uh, the Michigan State head coach. You know, we've got that uh, basketball of course, but yeah, no,
1: man, your this big is, tennis shoes down.
2: Uh, where do you stand on the whole eliminate tight ends position? I think people are just being salty about not picking the right ones this year because uh, I've yeah, seen a lot have, of that. I've seen a lot of that um, that campaign picking up because you know eliminate kickers, eliminate defenses. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Eliminate tight ends to me seems like we're going a little too far, and I think you're salty just because your Ertz and your Kelsey top picks aren't lighting it up every week. Not you personally, but just the whole right. the, the the movement in in general. There, I mean, I think you. <laughs> I'm sitting pretty, pretty with my Kittle and Mark
1: Andrews, and and no one seems to be offering trades, which is very disappointing as somebody loves to do that. I know.
2: I've got Kelsey and Mark Andrews, and right. somehow, nope, maybe I need to be more <laughs> aggressive with this. Well, and i got the other thing is Kelsey's a $2 keeper, and I can't keep Travis yeah. Kelsey afterwards. So there's that extra added thing to the fold. But I'm never really starting Mark Andrews because I have three good running backs. I thought it would be a good idea to start Malcolm Brown over Mark Andrews this past week. Nope. <laughs> you know we'll, we'll cause that one there, but uh, anyway, defenses, defenses. Yes, we got to hit Jake some defenses here because these ugly, team. ugly tight end group uh, is is very brutal. Alright,
1: so here's what I gave the rundown of defenses you'd actually want to pick up. The Bills are only 65% owned in Yahoo! Leagues. The 49ers also 65% owned, and the Packers, who you mentioned we just saw Monday night, Packers facing the Raiders. The 49ers uh, have a pretty solid match against the Redskins, and of course, the Bills face the Dolphins if you are a streamer of defenses at all I imagine you probably still sat through the Bills by week because you knew they were playing the Dolphins and probably the same goes for the 49ers despite facing the Rams last week I I wonder if the Packers is probably the one that's most available Josh Jacobs scares me a little bit. I'm not worried about Derek Carr. The concerns with Tyrell Williams and his health status this week make it a little bit more uh, palpable for Jair Alexander in the secondary. But they did acquire Zay, uh, Zay Jones from the Bills. And they also have, of course, a possible revenge game narrative from Trevor Davis who had a reverse, um, that one for a touchdown, I think, two weeks ago, and maybe ends up being the wide receiver, too, uh, along with Hunter Renfro for the Raiders.
2: Yeah, defenses are pretty ugly this week. Lowest over under, you know, you kind of start there. Um, is the Buffalo Miami game Buffalo? It says I'm looking at 17 point favorites. That somehow can't be right. They're just the Bills, after all. Um, other than that, uh, Tennessee hosting the Chargers. I think you could get away with the Titans as a streaming option if you needed to. Um, I know they've been dropped in a lot of leagues. Um, maybe I'll. Well, even-
1: no, we just talked about the last two weeks consecutively because they faced the Broncos last week and mm-hmm. were against the Bills the week before, and they ended up being good fantasy defenses in both yeah. those.
2: Exactly. Titans are 50 percent owned, and and like we said, that they've got the uh, they've got the Chargers chargers um i think that's home.
1: sneakily going to be a bad matchup for the the titans defense though as a yeah. chargers beat writer for aware i can tell you for certain having watched all their games they are not very good but i do think austin eckler and melvin gordon are going to have their way and i think that it's going to be kicking the pants how they were embarrassed on sunday night against the steelers mm-hmm.
2: another name i've heard floated around out there is uh maybe the colts uh they're the home team it's the over against
1: the Texans, though, right? Yeah,
2: it's against the Texans, but it, it hasn't been that much lately. But remember, Deshaun Watson, he either did or almost set an NFL record for most sacks. And the Colts have been able to um, at least semi-consistently get to the quarterback. Let me see if I'm right in that statement. Yeah, I mean, they've had four sacks in three of their uh, five games so far. This season, they had four. They got to Philip Rivers four times, got to Mariota four times, got to Patrick Mahomes four times. Last week looked very well. Unfortunately, the Chiefs game was the only time they reached double digits. So you get the Colts coming off a bye against the sack-prone quarterback. Um, I
1: do want to mention though they lost uh, Kameko terre and I hope I'm saying his name right. A very promising rookie for the Colts, their top pass rusher, uh, uh, to okay. a seasoning injury last against the against the Chiefs. Not to say that they can't figure it out. Like, I think that the scheme for the Colts works effectively with whatever they have, but Torre was easily their best pass rusher and he's now done for the season. Yeah.
2: yeah, so I agree. If you can't get the Bills 49ers or Packers, you maybe kind of run down that list and there's a couple names to go for, but you're not you're keeping expectations in check there. You're looking at like five fantasy points.
1: Exactly, and that's kind of the state of the fantasy defense right now if you don't have one of those top guys like you mentioned early in the broadcast. Well, that does it for us in the Tuesday edition of the World War NFL podcast sponsored by Yahoo at DFS. Until next week, best of luck to your fantasy i